Welcome into the Pursuit of Manliness podcast, where we are vigorously equipping men to pursue biblical manliness. My name is Jarrett Samuels. I'm the host of the podcast, Men. This is a quiet life episode. That means two things. One, it is sponsored by Armored Nation Coffee. Go to armoredcoffee.com, put in the coupon code Pursue Manliness, all one word, all capital letters, and you can save 25% off your order. The second aspect of that is that means we're focusing on an element of living a quiet life based on 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, 11 and 12. Live a quiet life, mind your own affairs, work with your hands, and be dependent upon nobody. So last Saturday, and by the time you see this or hear this, it will be a few Saturdays from now, or should I say from then, my son played his last basketball game at our church. Our church has had a league in it for 40 years, roughly. And it's first and second grade, third and fourth grade. He started in kindergarten, actually. They allowed him to play, and that was fun. And uh, played first grade. Second grade was COVID, and then third grade, fourth grade. Third grade, um, his team only won one game. But, hey, man, that's life. Uh, This year, they only lost one game. Sometimes that's life too. And this particular year, he got to play with some kids on his uh, his team that were from his school. He had a great coach, a lot of fun. They won a lot of games. And you say, why are you telling me this? Why are you giving me uh, an update on fourth grade basketball? Because ever since that game, there's been a lot of lessons that this, uh, this old silverback had unfortunately had to learn the hard way from that game. Uh, I'll get you, I'll, I'll speed it up. They ended up losing. However, um, for he and I, and probably our family, and, and maybe some others, there was a there was a ton of takeaways. Now, I played sports my whole life. I was good, not great. Um, played a lot. I've coached as as little as four year olds. I've coached where they paid you a contract. I've coached junior high, high school. I've refereed all different levels. I've been pretty active in sports for a long time, but really had a poor taste in my mouth for a lot of different reasons. One was just parents and refs and refs and coaches and all that. I just said, I'm done. I don't want to do that no more. It's not fun. And then from a collegiate or professional level, it became so politicized. I said, I'm not fun. It's, it's not fun. I'm not fun either. But I told a guy recently, I've kind of tempered my fandom. I still watch to a degree. We enjoy it. Sports have been a great connector for us as a family. Uh, we used to do like tailgate Saturdays or Sundays. My daughter's to the age now, my two of them, that they don't get as fired up about tailgate Saturdays and Sundays as they used to, and that's fine. That's That should happen. So when it comes to sports, I've never pushed them to play. I think when they were four, we signed them up. We said, hey, this is what you want to do. After that, they've kind of dictated that. If they said they want to play, sign you up. Get you the cleats, get you the shin guards, get you a water bottle, a ball that matches. Um, If they didn't want to play, we'd say, okay. So there were some seasons they played and some they didn't. They certainly have played more seasons than they have. Uh, Got to the point where we've done volleyball and cheerleading and other things. But my son has primarily been soccer and then basketball. So his first year of basketball... We, we had never done a drill. We had never, we don't have a hoop at our house or anything like that. He had shot a little bit at the church and stuff, and the guy that runs the league said, yeah, he can do that. 
so it was fun to see him grow and develop and 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 he he became pretty good and uh but again had a ton of fun because he was playing with friends from his school kids they knew just a fun so it came to the championship saturday now i'm the pastor of the church if you don't know so the way our gym is set up is we have fans on one side we have the scoreboard coaches benches on the other side and i'm always on the other side where the scoreboard is and those uh for a variety of reasons but um I'm always mindful that people can see me. Not that they're looking at me. They don't care. <coughs> Forgive me. But I am mindful of who I am and who I represent. And I'm mindful that number 10 is my kid. I don't yell at him. I, I've hardly ever instructed him. I've offered encouragement such as, you're good. Calm down. It's fine. That's it. Because I, I don't want to live vicariously through him. I don't want him to think he's got enough pressure. Kids playing sports have enough pressure. They don't need to carry the pressure of the parent on them as well. If my kid or kids do not perform to the level of their ability in a, in a game or a match or whatever, we will be okay. We, I know not everyone believes that. We will be okay. Sometimes they just have bad days. Sometimes they just have bad attitudes. Sometimes there's something going on in the huddle that you don't know about. Listen, when you go to work, some days you don't perform to the level of your ability either, and it's going to be okay. Eventually, you'll figure it out, or you'll move on. So I, I've never done that. I've never kept him after and said, okay, now put your foot on the block when you receive the ball. Never done that. We got coaches for that. They do a great job of that. I'm not breaking my arm, patting myself on the back. I want you to know this, and, and you'll get this before it's over, that throughout the game, there came a point where I, I had to stand up. I couldn't sit no more but I was trying to keep it together. My wife said last night, she said, I could tell when you put your hands in your pockets and you're staring at the ceiling, uh, you, you, were, you were struggling. And I said, I, you know, and I wanted him to win that game. Not for me, not for me, for him. Uh, gone through a lot of ups and downs. I wanted him to win and I want him to win for his friends. He's got kids that play on that team that only play so they can be with their friends. So for all those parents that lose their mind and coaches that lose their mind of trying to call plays and stuff, I want to remind you, there are 9 and 10-year-olds that are out there just to be with their friends, not to appease you, not to get an accolade, not to even get a picture posted on Facebook. They don't care about that. They want a Laffy Taffy and a Ho-Ho when the game is over, and that's it. They want to move on. I want him to win that game. It was his last game. He was up about 7-something in the morning. Uh, he didn't play till 1.30. Now, I go because I go to all the games, but uh, he, was, he was fired up. He was up. He was fired up. We have a little Nerf hoop. That's our hoop we have in our house. And he was, trying, he was playing on that, just, you know, imagining playing ball. <clears throat> I want him to win. And I want him to win because, again, it was his last game, and uh, he took some bumps. And let's be honest, as the pastor, your kid wins. He's done. It's the last time in the league because he's going to move on to school ball now and stuff, more than likely. I said, man, I want these guys to win. I really like his coach. The parents are great. It's just one of those teams. You have, if you play sports, you understand that there's certain teams you just connect different with than others. This was one of those teams. The team he was playing was the only team that had beat them. They, my kid's team had beat them too, and then they had lost another one, so we had technically the advantage. We won the league, but we're in a tournament. And I want to remind you, if you're wondering why I'm telling you about a fourth-grade tournament, it'll make sense, I hope. The opposing coach, though, I hope he's listening. The opposing coach, though, the way he carries himself, talks to his kids and things, is all the reasons why average kids or kids that want to be out there with their friends and stuff don't play. 
It's the reason why I stopped coaching. It's the reason why I stopped refing. It's the reason why I don't even like doing the scoreboard or any of those things. It's, it's too much. It's not worth it. It is, it's not worth it. <clears throat> and as a grown man, there's a point you say, do I say something? Do I get involved in this? Or do I just pretend like this is okay? Well, I, I really didn't do much. And there were some things that were said in that game that, that really bothered me, really bothered me. And I don't need to tell you because I've told, I've probably told enough people. I've told too many people and I've had to repent. So when the game was over, well, 1.9 seconds evidently, as my son told me the other day, I didn't realize this. He had the ball, he chucked it, you know, last effort. They, they lost by four, so there's no four-point basket. He did have four points wiped off from, you know, traveling calls or whatever, and he's referenced that too. It's funny what he remembers, and again, it's not my game, man. But I have a relational investment in this, Okay. My wife didn't yell at him. None of us yelled at him. We didn't yell at players on his team. Uh, my wife told him one time, hey, called him out from the free throw lines, getting ready to shoot free throws. She said, it's going to be okay. And he, she said he just blew air out of it. She said, you could tell by the look on his face, he felt like it was over. Let's be honest, I'm 47 years old. I could tell, son, this ain't going your way today. However, the fact he kept competing till the very end is pretty cool. So when the buzzer sounded, he was around half court and the team celebrating, which is what you do when you win. And I could see him watching them. <clears throat> You've seen it in Super Bowls and other things. You know, you watch another team celebrate. And he walked uh, over to his coach. His coach never yelled during the game, nothing. I mean, it, I'm not making his, I'm not giving, you know, sainthood to his coach, but it's what I would want as a dad who doesn't want to be overly invested in things as much as I was and tried not to let it on. So he called the kids together and he told them how proud he was of them, how much fun he had coaching them and talking to them. Now, I will be honest, in the four years my son has played in that league, I probably have like two pictures. We never buy the pictures. You know, the package where you take the picture of the ball, we, we've never bought them. Well, in the early days, we didn't have any money. And now, um, we just never have. We have a photographer at the church that takes pictures for the end of the year highlight thing. And I, I might have one or two from there, like his first year, and that's it. Um, I didn't take any pictures of the season. I thought about that. Maybe I should have. You know, I watched him. I, you know, I just you know, enjoyed the games. But I decided, get your phone out and take some pictures. So I took a couple pictures of them in a huddle. And then I went around the other side where I could see my son. I took a couple pictures. And when you look at the picture, man, if you're a dad or if you're a, a guy who, who gets competition or who even has a heart for kids, the pictures will... Uh, Rip your heart out a little bit, <laughs> especially if you have a vested interest, okay? Now, I'm a guy who's always looking for a bit of, uh, I don't know if motivation is the word, but uh, kindling for the fire. Something that's going to light my fire and keep it going for a while. And I got it all over the place, okay? I'm not, this is not what this, this episode's about. But I'm always looking for a little bit of motivation. Just keep my hand to the plow. Just keep going. Just stay on the treadmill. Just stay after it. As we say, find your trail, stay on the trail, stay one foot in front of the other, okay? Peaks and valleys, stay on the trail. I'm always looking for a guy with just that edge, that one reminder that says, uh, you might want to keep going. And for me, I did an update to my phone the other day, and now that's something all weird, but I got a set where I, I have my, uh, I have one of those pictures. I have one of those pictures as uh, the wallpaper. And if you're like me, a guy who, for a number of reasons, picks his phone up too many times throughout the day, it's a good reminder. It's a good reminder every time I pick that phone up 
to remember that moment. You say, why would you want to remember a moment of defeat and frustration? Because I believe it's so much more than that. There's at least three takeaways for me from that experience. Number one, I am rarely as good on the inside as I am attempting to project on the outside. If, you're, if you have self-awareness, if you understand society, you know how to function at certain moments and things and as you meet a new person to attempt to remember their name, shake their hand, make eye contact, all, you know, funerals you don't jack around, weddings it's not about you, church is about worship. I mean, I understand those things. In that moment, I was acutely aware that uh, I am the pastor of this church and I don't want to do anything that would put a, a bad name towards a Christian or this church. There was a few times that I wanted to say something or do something because that's the flesh. There's a thin, thin layer that separates the flesh from the spirit. There's a thin layer of skin that separates the flesh from the spirit. And there, there have not been very many times in the last number of years where athletics have got, because I've, I've disengaged. Not until the last couple of years have I even started to kind of pay attention more or go maybe go to a road game or maybe I just haven't just no but now I'm like okay my kids are running out of time I'm running out of time it's been a good shared experience I'm rarely as good on the inside as I'm trying to project on the outside <clears throat> and I don't know how good I project on the outside um, I try to be authentic what you see is what you get if you're around me long enough you go man that's who that guy is um, but internally, that was tough. There were some tough moments. There was a call that went against my son that one of our elders made the call. And I looked over at the coach who was just a few feet from me and I said, well, that guy's fired. And I said it jokingly, right? Well, doggone if three minutes later, if there wasn't another call very similar to it. And I said, that's it. And I, I wouldn't do it. But you remember Bobby Knight throwing the chair? I wanted to chuck a chair. I really did. I really did. I, I, it's a fourth grade game. That's my kid, you know, all the, all the things I've said. I'm just being honest with you guys. I wanted to chuck a chair. I told the story about my girls playing the state soccer tournament this year, and I don't know what it is with chairs, but I was standing up again watching them play, and when they went up by, you know, like three goals or whatever it was where I had a pretty good feeling, we're probably going to win this game. I took my camping chair, actually I'm sitting in right now, and threw it in the air. I said, I don't even know what to think. Maybe I don't know what it is about me and chairs, but... Uh, they're dangerous. So I, I realized that because when the game was over, normally we clean up, we take out trash, stack chairs, vacuum, sweep the floor. I went to the other end of the building for a minute and I thought, you need, you need to get it together. Not that I was going to do something or say something I shouldn't have said, but I knew in my heart, your, your feelings right now and emotions are not becoming a, as, of a man of God. You ever had that where you say, you're not as good as you hope to be? <clears throat> uh, guilty. The best thing that happened to me is when I came back down to the other end of that gym, after I had my little man fit by myself, I didn't punch nothing. I didn't do anything stupid, okay? Nobody knew. But when I came back down, my son was smiling and he had a ring pop in his mouth. I said, it's going to be okay. The second thing hit me. I made it pretty clear that uh, one of the great investments in that game 
was number 10. That's my kid. I know him better than I know any other kid on the court. Some of those kids I feel like I know pretty well, know their parents pretty well. But number 10, that's different, that's personal. I know uh, the ups and downs of 10. I know the things he talks about at home. I know who he is behind closed doors. I know who he is in public. I know how bad he wanted to win that game. I didn't want him to, I didn't want 10 to know that I wanted him to win that game. I want him to know I'm for you and I'm with you. I wanted him to know that. No question at the end of the day, no matter what 10 did, whether he scored a bunch of points or he uh, scored none, by the way, he scored a bunch of points, but I didn't, I didn't want it to be known or felt from 10 that, you know, your, your performance will be indicative of how I treat you or how I can, not at all. Because uh, my love for 10 is not conditional. Doesn't matter. We didn't go home and watch the tape. We didn't do, nope, none of that. I'm not doing that. I don't live vicariously through 10, but boy, if, if there was a situation where I could do something for him, I would have. I, I absolutely would have. And here's what number. Here's the second thing I learned. If I feel that way about my son, and I think you guys listen to this or watching this, you have people in your life you feel that way about. You say, "Oh, that one's personal. That's different. That one's with me. That that that's us." What 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 could God possibly think of His Son Jesus? We know at Calvary, he allowed Jesus to be torn to shreds on our behalf so that we could have a right relationship with him, an atoning sacrifice on our behalf. We know that. We say, you are my Lord, you are my Savior. Uh, I'm in. How many times do I put conditions on the relationship with Jesus? How many times do I ignore him or I... I'm ashamed of him or whatever it is. I thought if I feel that way about number 10, what does God feel about his son Jesus? And I remember looking out and seeing my kid around mid-court. I think the game was still going on and that just kind of that just kind of hit me. And it bothered me cuz I thought how often do I treat Jesus less than he deserves? I referenced there was something a coach said about one of the players. It was a girl. We had a girl on our team who is good who will be really good someday. I can't wait till she gets high school. You don't care about that. Maybe there'll be another podcast then, but she wasn't feeling well that day and she was doing her best and she's still good, even, even not feeling well. And he yelled something about her and I took it personal. It wasn't even my kid. And I looked at him and I thought, I want to say something. And I couldn't stop looking at him. And he saw me look at him and he looked away and I thought, I want to say, and then I thought, uh, sir, her dad is a giant human being. If he comes over and says something, I may have to say something with him. I may, I may have to just join in on this conversation. No, if I take that personal, and I bet her dad took it personal, again, let's not miss the point. How does God view his son Jesus? We're going to let each other down. As good as Ten and I are, and she is with her we, we, we have good days, bad days, it's going to happen. It just, in that moment, magnified the reality of who Jesus is and how God sees his son. And if we disrespect his son, if we dog his son, if we cheapen his son or minimize what he has done, I just don't think God takes that lightly. Me as a flawed individual with a small toolbox of emotions and ways to respond, 
Uh, I'm not saying God's up there looking to strike us down, but let's never neglect the fact that is his son and he ain't playing around about that. The third thing is this. It's amazing what was happening during that game. I remember saying about five years ago, they were talking about picking teams and they tried, they reset the teams every year and they may need a coach one year. And it was like my first year there and I said, I'll coach, I don't, you know, I don't care. And I never did coach, I haven't coached there. I haven't refed either, I've just been a bystander. I said, I'll coach, give me my son and we'll be good. And uh, I remember that during the game, which is so weird. I'm having like a Wonder Years moment of all these things kind of going back. And uh, and I thought, this is this is what I know. He he competes. He competes. He competes. He he doesn't take. He doesn't sit a play out, ever, ever. And I don't care if we're playing Connect Four. I don't care if we're playing Rake Rake Leaves. I don't know what it is about that kid. He's a combination of his mother and I, obviously. And we are competitors. My my wife and I have worked camps together especially in our younger years. And we, if we were on opposing teams, it was, it was intense. He got that. Even as a dad who has not pushed him, I don't go outside and go, hey, toe touches and nothing. No, no. I say, what, you know, whatever. He'll just do it. He just loves to do it. He's got older siblings that have whooped up on him. I'll whoop up on him sometimes just to remind him. But uh, I remember thinking, you know what? You got that kid on your team, you will compete till the end. No quit. And he didn't. When the buzzer sounded, as I said, he walked over and it was over. He was four points short. They came up four points short of winning that game. I didn't talk about it to him that day. I talked to him later on that night, and I've shared that a little bit. But uh, it wasn't until the next day that I said, son, I've never wanted you to win a game so bad in my life. He said, oh, me too. But I did want him in that moment to come home and feel like, oh, man, I let my dad down. No, not at all, man. I, couldn't, I could not have been more proud. And when I look at that picture on my phone every day, I could not be more proud. Here's my point. I told you guys before, when he was born, I prayed that prayer. God, if you help this boy fight, I will fight. He was in the NICU. He had a collapsed lung. He was in that window, that real thin window where they call it failure to thrive. That if he doesn't start waking up, if he doesn't start doing some things on his own, uh, he is not long for this. And the nurse woke him up. And from that point on, it was, it was a turning point. We had been in the NICU for a while, you know. I think it was a couple weeks, I don't remember exactly, taking shifts and turns and <clears throat> trying to managing all this stuff. And he did. And ever since that point that that nurse woke him up and said, told us about failure to thrive, <clears throat> in many ways, that boy's thrived. He's got struggles like we all do, but I'll tell you what, there's a grit in him that we did not instill. It was born in him. I believe the Almighty gave it to him. And I look at that and I'm reminded of that prayer and I thought, <clears throat> you know, in life, there are times that you will come up four points short. There are times that your best will not be good enough. There are times that you have aspirations in life that I'm going to start this company, I'm going to build this, I'm going to do this, I'm going to create this, I'm going to experience this, and you, it may never happen. But as a phrase I say a lot, it will not be for a lack of effort. When I look at that picture and I see his face, I know, man, he's dripped in sweat and, you know, he's exhausted. And I told my wife, he's look, he's staring intently at his coach, not because his coach has got some prophetic word, but because he doesn't want to see all the other stuff that was going on. And to me, it's a reminder, men, we need to keep fighting. And if you have to find your kindling for your fire in a fourth grade basketball game, which I did not anticipate, and I don't anticipate that happening ever again unless it's a grandkid, but if you got to find your kindling, Find it. 
I, I, I don't plan on living vicariously through my kids' athletics, academics, or anything like that. What they do for a living, I've been pretty hands-off. I'll give counsel. I'll give my peace. But if he tells me today, I don't ever want to play sports again, okay. Okay. You'll figure it out. You'll figure something out. I, I don't live through that. I don't, I'm not a guy at the game that's yelling. I don't correct the refs. I don't, I don't do any of that stuff. I've been there. I've been on that side. It's a hoot, let me tell you. Nope. But I am going to look for that kindling. And what I told him that night, was, I sat in his room. I said, let me just tell you, I'm proud of you. Not just for today. I'm proud of you for the last several years of, of playing this basketball. Because you're aging out. You're too old to play now. That you never quit. You jumped into a sport that you had never played. Uh, you competed. You were really good. Um, but I'm proud of you. And if you want to continue on, it's going to require more work. And I said, do you want to play for your school? And he said, I do. I said, do you want to be on the team or do you want to start? He said, I want to start. I don't, I don't want to just be on the team. And I said, okay, do you want to start or do you want to be a really good player on, on the starting five? Because you want to get five. I'm going to be a real start. He said, I want to be one of the but I want to be one of the count on. I want to be one of the best. And I said, then you're going to have to live like it. You see, man, if you're going to be one, then you need to be one. If you're going to hope to be something, then you need to live like something. If we're going to be men of God, then we need to be men of God. Go through that list. I'm not as good on the inside always as I'm trying to project on the outside. I'm trying to line those two up. I'm getting closer every day. I need to remember, God views his son Jesus in a very high standard. I need to do the same thing. And I don't want to quit. I don't want to quit until God sends that buzzer or he says, game over for you, Jarrett. I don't want to quit. And whether I'm down by four, I'm getting fouled, I'm, the brakes aren't going my way, I've said before on a podcast, I've had very few things in my life come easy, and I bet some guys listening to this would say the same thing. Let's not quit. Let's not quit. There are 10-year-olds. There's a whole crowd of people. Hebrews talks about a great cloud of witnesses that, that are for us, and that, are, that are essentially you know, cheering us on. I'll end with this. You say you went the whole podcast, you didn't share one verse. Well, I'll do it right here. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. There will be a point in your life where the race is finished. God will say, that's it. No more. Game over. At the end of that, personally, I want to be able to say, I gave it my best shot. I may come up four points short. Heck, I may get blown out. I don't know. But I want to keep competing. I want to keep the fire. I want to live with shocking focus, shocking effort, that when you walk into a room, someone says there's something different about that guy. When my son walks onto a field for the first time, don't know the coaches, they know there's something different about him. He's five foot, or not five foot, he's four foot nothing. There's nothing in his, he just competes at a different level. That's what I want to do. I want to live my life on a different level that I don't blend in with everybody else. I don't exert the same effort as anyone else. At the end of the day, when my head hits the pillow, I will say, well, that's it for today. I gave it my absolute best shot. And I hope you do the same thing. I'll remind you, there are people watching. Life is brief. We are a heartbeat away from eternity. We are a heartbeat away from that buzzer sounding and God saying, game over. We'll stand before him someday. We want to be able to say, I tried. I gave it my best. I hope I made you proud. Amen. So guys, I appreciate you listening to this. And let's just keep pursuing 
biblical manliness, biblical manliness, finding out who we are in scripture and doing our best to live that out. Amen. I'll talk to you in a bit.